Where do you feel at peace? Where can you forget yourself and just be still? Have you learnt to quiet your soul? Now, if you don't know the answers to these questions, strap in. We have 14 minutes uh, for me to maybe get you on the right road to figuring out what the answers are for you. Psalm 131 is just three short verses. And you would think with such a short psalm that I would need less time, maybe only five minutes, you know, one minute per verse, one at either side, but no. You guys know that I love to talk. And Psalm 131 really punches above its weight, so hopefully we can explore it together. I think that Charles Spurgeon very accurately said, it is one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. It speaks of a young child, but it contains the experience of a man in Christ. Now, Psalm 131 is one of the songs of ascent, which span from Psalm 120 to 134. And they were sung by pilgrims on their journey towards the Lord's place in Jerusalem for either the three pilgrim festivals, or they may have also been sung as they ascended the 15 steps towards the temple for their ministry and meeting with the Lord, hence the ascent. They're all characterized by their brevity, by repetition and by a key word. That key word is often the thing that is frequently repeated. We can surmise from where this sits within the series of the ascents uh, that they're getting pretty close to the end of their journey hill. You know, they may be cresting that final hill, looking at those final steps. So what were they singing and saying as they take that last step in the journey? But first, Forgive me for a very, very quick detour. As Stuart said, uh, Jono actually very prayerfully picked these psalms for us. Uh, and when we had a meeting, sort of chatting about what this series was going to be, what the vibes were, what are we going for, um, Jono's looking at each of us around the table and talking about why he may have picked a certain psalm for each of us. And he gets to me and he goes, oh, Steph, you know, I didn't really pick this one for you for any particular reason. I just, you know, I just thought you could have a go at it, right? And Mel, who was sitting next to me, in very typical Mel fashion, goes, I think the Holy Spirit picked this one for you. Um, Now, she probably knows this because she knows me very, very well. uh, But at that moment, it felt like my chest was just full to bursting. It felt like the Holy Spirit had just gone and just shot an arrow straight through me and said, this one is for you. And you might ask, well, why? Uh, Really, a lot of it rests in this first verse. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Uh, If you know me, I'm a highly ambitious person. Uh, I'm a lawyer. I've been working for seven years to be able to say that. I want to change things. I want to make waves. I want to influence society. I want to reform educational systems. I want to concern myself with great matters. And I often wonder on things too wonderful for me. I am proud of my accomplishments, of course, of how hard I work. But a great vice of mine is that I think that it makes me better than others. So these words for me at that time and now sting with conviction. 
I pray somewhat selfishly that I'm not alone in this, but regardless, may my confession affect you. I have been found proud. I have been found haughty. I have worked to concern myself with great matters, and I often wonder on things too wonderful for me. I wonder on things high above me, things like, why did that person have to get sick or die? Why does the earth cry out and the villain seem to win? Where are you, God? Why are you doing this? Why won't you just do it the way I want you to? Now, how do you feel when you ask these questions, if you do? Please don't mistake me. I'm not telling you not to ask them. The Lord can certainly handle you beating against his breast for as long as you need. I have been there and I will go there again. But how do you feel? For me, it feels like my chest is just bursting, like my windpipe is closing, like bile is crawling up the back of my throat, and like I can't breathe. That doesn't sound like peace. That doesn't sound like the place where I can forget myself and be still. That doesn't sound like the place where my soul is quiet. So what does the psalmist call me and us to do? Acknowledge our weakness and set aside our pride. We are invited to consider the wonder of God himself and set all else aside. As it says in Isaiah 40, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? And later in that same chapter, he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. There are things that are too wonderful for me, things I don't know, things I ought not to know. To think that I could somehow understand all God knows, to be proud and stand above him or without him is not only arrogant, it is delusional. Today, I praise God that he is God. Praise God that I do not need to know it all. Even more than that, I don't need to be it all. I do not need to seek the proud pursuits to make a name for myself. I have a name. I have a settled identity as a child of God. So what does that childhood look like? This is where we arrive at the lovely center of this psalm, that repeated phrase that sets our mind at ease, keeps our step steady, like a weaned child. Our psalmist David encourages us to be like a weaned child, finding satisfaction and serenity of the soul in God himself. Here, the image is clear. The job of David and us is to be mothered by God, and the Lord's job is to mother. We see the Lord do this elsewhere in Scripture, also in Isaiah, but chapter 49 this time. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. The image of a weaned child to me is so beautiful and my mother always tells me this really amazing fact about breastfeeding a baby that really jumps to mind when I read this psalm first. 
Newborns are born uh, extremely nearsighted, so they can only see about 20 to 40 centimetres away, starting at that 20 centimetre mark when they're first born, and then slowly over the next couple of weeks, building more and more and more and more. But what I love about that fact, about that distance, is that it's miraculously similar to the distance between your face and your baby's face when you're breastfeeding them or holding them close. Isn't that just beautiful that the Lord designed it so that the baby would just be able to see its mother's face, all it needs in the world, this picture of total dependence. It's just, yeah, it's just so beautiful. (laughs) Um, However, the psalmist actually uses a slightly different image, which I think is worth pondering. Why the difference? David shows us a weaned child, perhaps a toddler, maybe preschool age, not a child who is totally dependent on breast milk for food. So why, why choose this image? The process of weaning is not a process of total satisfaction and protection. The process of weaning is the thing that you have needed for a long time, your whole lifetime up to this stage, being slowly taken away from you. It's painful. Now mum doesn't hold me every minute of the day. I have to entertain myself. When I cry, she doesn't always come running. The child learns that it can figure things out by itself, go somewhere without mum, try something new, make new friends, fall over, scrape your knees, spread your little wings and become a little bit more independent. But the safest place in the world, the place I'll always feel most at home, is in the arms of my mother. Where do you feel at peace? Where can you forget yourself and just be still? Have you learnt to quiet your soul? This is the quietness, peace, and serenity of the soul that David speaks of. Now I don't only go to my mother for what I need. I've been weaned off that. The things I used to cry for, fuss for, I've been weaned off that. Now I go to my mom not only for what I need, but because I love her. Because I want to be held close in the way that she used to. And because I enjoy her presence. A weaned child coming back from wherever they are to come and sit a moment in their mother's lap asking for nothing more than a moment of connection, rest, reassurance and belonging. It's not a long list of requests for food or shelter. It's just a desire for closeness, to go to the place where everything is set right, where everything is comfortable and every need, conscious and subconscious, is met where you can simply look into the Father's face, be known, and be still. And so we arrive at the final truth of this psalm, which coincidentally is our final verse. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. This is God the Father, the provider, the peacekeeper, the one who knows everything, whose ways are unsearchable, whose mind we will never know. And we are invited to sit with him and be contented by time in his presence. Where do you feel at peace? Where can you forget yourself and just be still? Have you learnt to quiet your soul? 
Psalm 131 sets upon us in just three short verses the call to let go of our ego and pride and accept the invitation made possible through Jesus to humility, enjoying the Father's love, and experiencing his peace. How do we accept such a beautiful gift? Well, the psalmist doesn't leave us hanging and answers us very quickly by placing our hope in the Lord. The Hebrew word for hope here that is used is yachal, which broadly means to wait. In other passages of the Bible, uh, it's used where Noah had to yachal for the Lord, had to wait on him and the future that he promised. It's a word that tells us that God is worth waiting for, worth putting our hope in. He has been faithful time and time again, so his past faithfulness informs our current waiting and our future hope. We can abandon our striving and our pride and simply sit with him, knowing our hopes are secure in him. Maybe those things that we strived for, those things that are too great for us, are in the ways of God. Who knows? But if it isn't, he is enough. And we have that eternal hope that is then more than enough, the day of Christ Jesus to come. Until then, we can sit with our Father and wait. So simple a psalm, so easy to read, and so very hard to do. But we're in this together, and we're ascending this mountain together to the place of the Lord, to the place of joy and justice and justification. As we wait, as we yachal, I want to challenge you to take up the invitation of the psalmist and the Lord himself. Come and sit a while. Tell him about your day. Come and feel at peace. Forget yourself and just be still. Quiet your soul. Let him take you by the hand or hold you close to his chest. Enjoy his comfort and his company. And O oh Israel, O oh church, O oh northern life, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We love your presence. We love your spirit. And we love what you've done for us. And we just thank you. And we just sit and enjoy who you are. We enjoy your holiness. We enjoy your beauty. We enjoy your grace. We enjoy your humility. Help us, Lord, to soak it in, to really sit with you and not allow the busyness of life to drag us away from those precious holy moments where we can sit with you and be known by you. Thank you that you know us. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you see everything that's going on in our lives and you still want to meet with us in those quiet places. Please help us and remove the barriers from our path that stop us from meeting with you. And Lord, as we come before you, as we come to meet with you, help us to bring our lives before you and like a weaned child, go back to that place where we can just be provided for, just be loved by you. We just give it all to you now, God, and, and ask for your help, knowing that we need more and more of you. We love you and we want to be with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.